Hey everyone, welcome to the Relevant Church Weekly Podcast. We're so excited you've joined us today. We hope this message encourages you, inspires your heart, and strengthens your faith. Enjoy. Uh, once again, please give a warm Relevant Church welcome to Pastor Hamish as he comes to deliver the word. And I'll remove this right here because I know you don't like this. <laughs> Come on up here, sir. No, no, we can just slide it over. Like, no, no, oh, here's good. Here. Okay, you're going to use it, though. I'm picky. Okay. <laughs> like, amazing. Good to see you again. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't normally bring knives onto the stage, but we will be using that later. Hey, it was so good to be with you guys a couple of weeks ago, and um, we've done a little bit of driving since last time. Drove to Atlanta, and um, that was fun. <laughs> but... I shared, if you didn't catch last time, and it tied in with so much that was said this morning, we shared about what to do with brokenness. And we started. I mean, you can't sum that up in one sermon. But the, the idea that Jesus didn't come to escape our problems and rescue us into Egypt, but rather he came to walk through our, through our grief and through our issues to turn our Egypts into the promised land. And so today I want to build on that with some foundation work. And like I shared last time, I, I don't know you, I'm not your pastor, but I do have something that I can do. And that is wherever you are at, whether you identify yourself as Christian or atheist or anything in between, and you're, whether you're a mature Christian or you're just discovering the faith or you're disillusioned with the faith, that my job is to help open you up to what your next natural step is. And so I just want to do that again today. And so, um, yeah, you can just, just pop all my props over there. Since I didn't, I like to do an illustration when I'm speaking. Since I didn't do one last week, I've got like three planned today, which will be great. But I want to start with a bit of a, a story that gets a little bit weird. And I need to warn you that it gets a bit weird because I have had people walk out during this story. Don't walk out till after the story is finished. Um, it's going to get a little bit weird, but it's Okay. So when I was a teenager, I had a close, what I'd call a close friend from probably middle school right up through high school until she was, unfortunately died in a hit and run accident. And um, this friend's name was Natasha. Now Natasha was, it was always plutonic, it's all right, it's not, not a dodgy story. But often, we lived on a bit of a farm. Natasha would often, I'll just say the, the base. See, they're trying to make me sound like you this morning, Jonathan. Just adding the basin. And, um, but this friend would come and visit. And sometimes, you know, it would be late at night and she'd climb in through the bedroom window and hang out and we'd just chat and stuff. And um, she was a good friend. One night, though, she bought me a gift. And it was a little bit odd. She um, climbed in through the bedroom window and she had a mouse. And then she sat down in the middle of my bedroom and proceeded to bite the, head's mouse off, the, the head off the mouse off, true story, and swallow it. She then climbed up on my chest and started to lick my face. Natasha was my cat. <laughs> now, I tell you this story. <laughs> I'll just let that sink in. <laughs> now... The reason I tell you this is that it is sometimes important to know what something is before you proceed to know who they are. Because the grief you felt when I tell you about the, the hit and run accident and the weirdness and uncomfort you felt when I'm telling you about the mouse, 
kind of makes sense when you know it's a cat. And we often name God and call him our father and call him our brother and call him all sorts of things before we know what God is. And so I'm going to talk about what God is today. Now, I need to use some of my props. When I first got saved, this is a very small rug. (laughs) If I was to liken, a tiny little rug. If I was to liken my Christian faith to a rug, it was very confined. You know, God had a name, Jesus, and there were things that you did to make God happy. You know, tithe, come to church regularly, serve, dislike a whole bunch of people for the way they behaved and, and allow other people into your life because of the way they behaved. And it was very limited. As I've walked through my faith, my rug has gotten a little bit bigger. And I've discovered that God is a lot more gracious and a lot more inclusive than I was. And I've walked this walk and it's been really good. Now, I wish I had a larger rug, but it will never be as big as God's rug. Now, the thing is, is that grief and experiences and things cause uh, our rug to grow, cause the way that we experience God to enlarge. And we're all good at this on a social level. Like I've As I said, for the last three weeks, I've been driving around the States and having experiences that I haven't had before. And when you have experiences, like I've had the privilege of having dinner and hanging out in American homes, of course I haven't done. I've had the experience of dining and hanging out in African-American homes, which I haven't done before because I'm a, you know, white middle-class kid from New Zealand. When you have these experiences, it causes you to confront your, I want to use nice words like innocence or naivety, but really it's not, it's ignorance. When you experience other people's lives and walk through crisis and walk through brokenness, it causes you to confront your own ignorance, right? And I'm hoping that I'm talking to people that are pretty good on a social level of becoming less ignorant. And yet when we come to God, we can get really, really threatened when God does things that confront our ignorance. Like, oh, what do you mean you like those people? You can't like those people. What do you mean that you've saved that person? No, you haven't, because they're that. I'm, I'm a reformist. I believe these things. I'm an Armenian. Uh, I believe these things. I'm a universal, you know. We, we confine ourselves. And yet maybe God wants to break those things. For those of us that have a more reformed theology, maybe he wants to show his... Sovereignty works in ways that we don't understand. For those of us that call ourselves Armenian, maybe he wants to reveal that free choice works in ways that we don't understand. Or those that call themselves universal redemption, maybe he wants to reveal that there is more responsibility in the, the, the wrestling with salvation, that we can always grow. And so... I'm going to talk about some big things about God today. I'm going to talk about some huge rug ideas. What I need to share, though, is that I'm not minimalizing or taking away from where you're standing at the moment. These things are not in conflict with what you believe or where you are in your place in your walk. But what they can do is underpin your walk. They can strengthen and bring a depth that when you talk about God as a father, 
you have a better understanding of what he means as a father. When you talk about God as love, you're going to see what that love can mean. And so I'm going to talk about three things that God is. So if, you, if you're taking notes, you can, you can call this message, What is God? And so we're going to start in what is probably my, my most favorite verse in the Bible. And I call it my favorite verse because when rabbis study this verse, they spend 28 days reflecting on it. And they turn it over like a gemstone. And it reveals more through every Hebrew letter, through every inference of what it is. And it's Genesis 1, 1 to 2. And so this verse simply says, um, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Got that bit. And then the next verse, verse 2, it says, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and the deep. Or actually it starts off, the earth was formless and without void. Or if we go into the Hebrew, the earth was tohu vabohu, which means the waste and the wild, the depth of the broken ocean and a desert. It's all this weird poetry that ties into this, these words. They're amazing. And it says, darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word spirit is the word ruach. I'm sure you guys have learned this. The word ruach is also used for breath. It's also used for wind. It was to describe the life-giving energy that you can't see. And so the first thing that God is, is God is the breath of life. In Colossians, it describes it, and oh, if my eyesight improves, we'll go to Colossians 1 in a minute. But it describes Jesus as being the fabric of the universe. It describes God as holding everything together. The word that we use for the name of God, you've heard the word Jehovah or Yahweh. It comes from the unsexiest name of God that's in the Bible, which is called the Tetragrammaton. Try saying that, oh, Tetragrammaton, I love you. It doesn't really flow off the tongue. But every time you see capitalized Lord in the Bible, that is the Tetragrammaton. It is four Hebrew consonants or letters that are ye, hey, va, hey. And they cannot be pronounced without adding additional vowels in. That's how you get Jehovah and how you get Yahweh. Now, the interesting thing about ye, hey, va, hey is to pronounce them correctly. You have to breathe them. Ye, va, Sounds like I've got my asthma. What it means is the very first sound you make when you were born is the utterance of the name of God. You can no longer live when you can no longer speak the name of God. That our very breath is the utterance of who he is and what he is. That he sustains all life, that he sustains all things. And so if we, we, we get very focused on these small views of God, well, yes, he's this and he's this. Yes, he is those things. But he's also within our breath. He's also as close as the air that our that we breathe, he's as near as our heartbeat, that we often pray and say, you know, where is the provision? When is God going to meet us? When, when are we going to encounter him? Just breathe. Just stop and breathe. And so this, we get so focused on our anxiety or our fear or our this or our that or our schedule or 
Maybe just breathe. That right now, as we breathe in this space, we are engaged with the physical, tangible presence of God. Not some weird tingly thing you get on a Pentecostal altar call, but actual breath in your lungs. We're bringing in the bass again. Let me know if I need to do anything, guys. Oh, there we go. Oh, we've got Curtis on the job. And so, that's the first point. Now, the next thing of the nature of what God is, I'm going to stay in Genesis, but I'm going to go to Genesis 1. I'm going to go to about verse 26, is it? I don't know. I'm not going to know until it comes up on the screen. There we go. And so, God's having a conversation with himself. And he says, let, I'm going to read it up here. No, I'm not. (laughs) That's not going to work. Let us make man in our own image. That's all I need to read. I was sitting with, our our church hired a barista a while ago. He, um, he, his name was AK. He was an ex-Iraqi sniper who worked um, in Iraq and partnered with US troops against the fight against ISIS then he fell in love, moved to Singapore, and became a barista. And when, when we hired him, you know, he, he had his mask on, and I'm like, oh, he's got tattoos, he's like a cool hipster, look at his beard. One day he took his mask off, I'm like, that's not a hipster beard, that is a faith beard. And so <laughs> we had this, I was painting a mural in the cafe, and he's sitting down, and we're talking about the nature of God, and I knew that from his religious texts and our religious texts, there were some similar kind of verses. And so I, I shared this one, and I said, you know, what I find interesting about God is that God defines himself as relationship. And, you know, Genesis 1.26, let us create. That God didn't say, I am going to create man, watch me do it. He said, let us create And he said, that is very interesting because in my culture, we also believe this, which I never knew. My rug got bigger. And so the fact that God defines himself as relationship. Now, we call it the Trinity. And I've seen lots of pictures for the Trinity. I'm going to need that knife a little bit later. And lots of the, the pictures we see of the interrelationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all nicely defined. You know, you kind of you have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit, and you know, kind of boundary lines. There are counts, and it's actual, actually called partialism. It's not good theology, but they have boundary lines. And I've heard people say, you know, if you're not so cool and the disciplinarian father, then just pray to Jesus because he's the loving one, completely ignoring the verses in, in the later chapters of John where he says, the love I have comes from the Father. Or they're like, oh, you know, I need more of kind of the counselor, buddy, you know, the one that buzzes me up a bit when I pray. I need the Holy Spirit. But we, we, we define and lose the whole point of what this is. And so I want to change our perspective just a little bit. I'm going to need a hand. I think we've got Pastor, where is he? Matu is going to give me a hand. Well, I cut this up a little bit. I want to change your perspective because... The thing about easily classifying God as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is what it can do is draw lines around who we are, that our loss, that our faith, that our brokenness doesn't... Oh, I better not leave that in my pocket. Or 
hurt myself. And I need a little... <laughs> Do you get nervous when you get asked to volunteer and somebody pulls out duct tape? <laughs> How many will I need? Let's see, he's tall. Jonathan, you want to come <laughs> Okay. Cool. Okay, you hold that end. Great. Now, I'm going to get you... Which way does it want to move? Yep. I want you to twist. Let's start a bit more in the middle. I want you to twist that direction. Yep, and I'm going to twist this direction. Uh, okay, you can move to the end now. That's good. We've got a nice twist. Hold that. And now we're going to bring these together. This is where the strength is needed. Keep your twist. There we go. We got one. I'm twisted it too far. We'll see what happens there. Okay. Now this isn't. Perfect. I usually use a bit of pool foam for this. Spin it back into a circle. Okay, this is not the ideal illustration, but you're going to get the picture. Now, this is how many, just hold up your fingers. How many sides does this shape have? Who thinks three? Okay, good. Who thinks one? Anyone? Okay, because that would be weird, right? If it was a three sided shape that only had one. Now, it has broken a little bit. Where's my green tape? I'm going to get you to count the sides by just tracing your finger around them, okay? Let's get a starting point. Now this illustration, when I first thought of it, it was 1.30 in the morning and I lay in bed thinking, I really want to construct this shape. It took about an hour and a half of visualizing it in my mind. So start there and just start tracing your finger around. Sorry, the sides get a little bit funky. I think we twisted it one too many, that's okay. Let's undo that slightly. Bear with me, this is called the creative process, everyone. <laughs> this is where things get a little bit messy. That'll still work. Okay, so start there and just start tracing it around. Now you're still on one side at the moment, right? So keep going. This is where it got a little bit broken. And how many sides does this actually have? One. Yeah. So it's three distinct sides and complete, ignore that side, complete unity that bring it into one side. If, it's fun, right? Yeah. If you're um, looking it up, it's called a three-sided Mobius strip. Thank you. That's all I need. Three-sided Mobius strip. Now, the thing about this is not only does it have three sides, it has one edge. So it has w three distinct sides that form one complete side in unity and one edge. So when you think about God, when you think about the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what you've got to realize is that is, at his core, what God is, is a Father loving his Son. At his core, God is in a continual flow of generosity and forgiveness within himself that he invites us into, that there's no edge of inside and out, of you're excluded and you're not. That's why biblical authors could write things like Revelations 22, 
right at the end, Revelation 22, where it says there's a beautiful city and everybody is welcomed in because the gates are still open. That anyone can still come in and wash their robes. That you are never, it's never too late for you. You're never too broken or too hurt or too lost or too whatever. That he invites us in, that he draws a line around all of creation and says, I'm God and I'm going to do what I want. And what he wants is to bring us closer. That, that this, the, the, this incredible unity, that's why we have scriptures like, um, when two or more gather in his name, there I am also. Because at his heart, God is relationship. Because he can't help but come together with us when we are together. That we don't have to invite him. Oh, there's two of us here. Let's invite Jesus. No, he's here because we're in unity. That's where you get biblical authors like Paul. If I go back to the breath point, that goes through the city of Athens and Acts. And in Acts 17, he reads some poetry not written by a Christian or a Jew that says, in him we live and breathe and have our being. Because he's starting to see that God is the breath of life, that God is relationship. Would it freak you out if Pastor Jonathan got up got up here next week and started quoting some Rumi poetry. And yet Paul quotes Greek philosophy and now we have it as scripture. That truth is found in the most unique of places. That he brings us in and draws us closer because he is breath, because he is relationship. How often do you sit and complain to someone, I'm just not experiencing the presence of God and yet the comfort you're feeling talking to this person is the presence of God. That we go and do something, you know, amazing for somebody else and we have that little rush of, you know, we, we beat ourselves up and call it pride, but actually we have this rush of something special because we help somebody else. You're experiencing the presence of God. That, that we're wired to be in relationship because he created us in his image and his image is relationship. And so the third point, we're going to skip through all the scriptures and get to 1 John 4. And I bet I won't be able to read it, so I'm going to have to try and memorize it. But it's very simple. I only want to pick on three little words in the middle of it. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know love does not know God, because God is... That was only like three people because God is okay so if God is within our breath and God is within our relationships and God is love then he's pretty cool actually now the problem is when you go through different people and churches and relationships and they say yeah God is love and then they describe love as obedience or faithfulness or this or that and they they turn love into all of these interesting things, we forget that very clearly in the Bible, God defined love. He defined his personality. And we can find it. Who's going to yell out my next scripture without knowing it? Somebody knows it. Where is the definition of love in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. There we go. And it should be on the screen behind me. No, that's Colossians. I've skipped over that one. We can skip that now. We'll get there. There we go. 
So if we know that God is love, then we can also actually replace that word love for God. Love is patient. God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant. Let's go to the next part. God is not rude. It's nice. He does not insist on having his own way. That fights with a lot of our personal theologies, doesn't it? God is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but he rejoices with truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. He keep, I want to keep going. He keeps no record of wrongs, I believe it says next. Let's see what the next verse is, just in case I was right. Or have we finished? In one translation, it says that love keeps no record of wrongs. And yet how often do we come to God afraid that he's got a list of what we've done wrong? He defines himself as love. And so we have these amazing big ideas about God. Whatever size your rug, your theology, your beliefs are, your confined way of thinking about God that might only exist on a Sunday morning, are you willing to let it transform? Are you willing to let it deepen? Because if he is breath, if he is relationship, is he, if he is love, then he calls us to know him. He calls us to be in a partnership with that character, to be bigger, to be bigger in our families, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our school, and in our parenting, and in, our, in the way we are with our spouse. He calls us to be bigger. And so I want to finish today with a prayer that you all know. And I've wrestled with this prayer for 10 years, looking at doing, you know, those of you who've been to Bible college, doing some solid exegesis on this prayer, looking at the Greek words, then taking it into a Hebrew context and seeing what does it mean because Hebrews think about function, whereas Greeks think about form. So if a Greek says father, a Hebrew says the one that protects me, provides for me, loves me, and bears my burdens. So we take the Greek, and I'm going to translate it as a Hebrew person translating it. So I'm going to go to Matthew 6. I want to give you a tool today in the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. How many of you can say the Lord's Prayer off by heart? If I said, say the Lord's Prayer, you could all do it. Okay. May our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You'll be done on earth as done in heaven. Give us a day of daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Deliver me from evil. In the name Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Woohoo. Done. Next speed. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit deeper than that. So I'm going to start right back at the start, verse 9. And I'm going to, we're going to go through it. Then we're all going to stand. Then we're going to pray. But we're not going to pray some follow the leader thing. We're going to step into the next stage in each of your walks in God. It's going to be fun. So Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father. So, our Father is somebody who bears all your burdens, who protects you, who loves you. So, He who bears all of my burdens and provides all of my needs and protects me. The next part, in heaven. 
The heavens is where God dwells. As we know, God is ruach, is breath. So he who provides all of my needs, who protects me and bears all of my burdens, and is as close as the air that I breathe. Next part, hallowed be thy name. Uh, we'll go back. We're still in verse 9. I'm going super slow. Uh, go one back. There we go. Hallowed be thy name. That weird word hallowed does not mean holy. The word hallowed is the Greek word hagazio. Love it. The word hagazio means to dwell on something, be aware of it, and acknowledge that it's there. Those of you that are a bit younger, that have noticed a really pretty girl at church and have looked at her more than you've looked at me, you are hagazioing her right now. When something, when you come to church and the overwhelming thing is how much debt you're in, you are hagazioing your debt. When you are focused on what pizza you're going to make tonight for dinner, you're hagazioing your pizza. So to hagazio is to dwell in and to focus on, acknowledge and make that the center of your awareness. So we're only in one verse so far. The one that can provide all of my needs and bear all of my burdens and is as close to me as the air that I breathe. I stop, acknowledge and become aware of you now. We can almost just stop there. Then we get into the next part of the verse. Your kingdom come. Let your compassion, let your love, let your forgiveness, let your grace, let your beauty, let those things be the center of my life. When I walk, help people to encounter the goodness of God. Let that be the central theme of what it means for me to be a person of faith. Let that happen on earth as done in heaven. Let's forget about where we go when we die. Let's make heaven here. When we encounter someone who's going through a personal hell, like you see with the prayer requests, let's see where we have to show up and bring God's kingdom into those prayer requests, where we have to bring God's kingdom into those needs. This thing is more active and interactive and... Our faith is not sitting on a chair. Sorry, I told you I wasn't going to use it today, but I am. The least Christian time of your week is right now. Sitting in a chair, staring at some guy talking up the front. It's the least Christian you could be. Your Christianity, your faith, is on Tuesday morning when you haven't had enough sleep and you're annoyed and your bill just came in and the debt collector just rang and somebody needs you to show up because that barista who's made your coffee four times wrongly and you're still complaining doesn't know that they've hit the edge and they need you to show up with the grace, the love, the forgiveness and the, the mercy of God and give them a $50 tip. They don't need you to invite them to church today. They need a $50 tip. That's what your kingdom come looks like. It doesn't look like shouting amen from the seventh row, although that's much appreciated. Thank you. (laughs) So I want to end because I could just carry on and on and on and on and on. I like to talk. Can we stand? Oh, look at that. We get so busy talking about, and of course, knowing who God is is crucially important. And knowing what our church is as you go through a vision week last week and further conversations about vision and belonging as a church, these things are crucially important. But knowing what God is is a foundation under all of this. 
that you're partnered with love that you're partnered with the one that breathes life into every single relationship and the one that breathes life into every one of us that's got to be where our heartbeat rests how much easier is it to respond to the God that gives you life in every breath than the God that you're afraid afraid might squash you because of something you did on a Wednesday afternoon he wants you to know how close he is right now in this place despite what you've done wrong, what you're struggling with, where your thought life is at. He loves you. Your behavior, your life, your obedience, these things don't make him love you more. They just help you to see that love more. This response that you live in, your responses, just engage your partnership with the love that's already there for you. So I'm going to just pray through the first couple verses of the Lord's Prayer again. And I want you to just be aware of the words. I want you to take deep, standing up breaths. And as you breathe, that is your prayer. Your awareness in each breath that the one that protects, that loves, that bears your burdens, that knows you intimately and accepts you anyway is there to provide all of your needs is there to comfort and restore you he who bears all of my burdens protects me provides all of my needs and is as close as the air that we are breathing right now Lord we stop and we acknowledge you We're aware of you and your love, your forgiveness and your grace. Help us to be aware of how filled we already are, how loved we already are. And give us opportunities in this moment and in every moment of this week to show up to be provided for in that day to have your kingdom come to have heaven on earth help us be more aware of you help our dwelling place to be you to be you help our dwelling place not be in what we lack and what we are missing but who we have in you in Jesus name Amen. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit relevant316.com slash give for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share through your social media and tag us. Once again, thanks for joining us. God bless.